We read this morning from the Gospel of John chapter 8, from verse 1 to verse 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Good, thank you Eric, so pleased that you were able to read this morning. It's been great to discover Jesus in new ways through some of these stories in the New Testament. Uh, just to take a moment to recap the last few weeks. From the woman at the well, we thought about how everyone is welcome. From the disciples at Caesarea Philippi, exploring who Jesus really is and who I am from the baptisms and the temptations of Jesus, that now is the time to believe, from Peter and the coal fires that Jesus gives us second chances, from the unnamed woman connecting across different cultures, and today from the woman caught in adultery, that there is always hope. These are great stories and these are bringing out so many important things about the heart of the Christian faith and about Jesus himself. And no matter whether you're relatively new in the Christian life or whether you've followed Jesus for many years, there's always so much more to discover about him. And the more we really journey into the life of Jesus and fully understand who he is, how he lived, what he's saying to us, the more effective we will be in our Christian life and mission. So what does this particular story say to us today about Jesus? 
What does it say to us about hope? I think that as we go through the story, there are four key words that I would like to identify. And the first is wisdom. You see, the Pharisees laid a clever trap with their question about whether this woman should be punished or not. And if Jesus had said that she shouldn't be punished, it would mean that, she, that he wasn't following the law, taking it seriously. But if he'd said that she should be punished, it would mean that he's not showing kindness and grace. So here we have law and grace, we have judgment and we have mercy. The two great opposites are brought together in this challenge, as they are so often in life, aren't they? So many different situations where we say, do we have to exercise a judgment based on law? Are we able to exercise grace? Jesus wrote with his finger on the ground. It's an interesting detail because writing with his finger suggested a moment of deep insight was about to come. There are one or two other occasions in the Bible when that phrase is used. It's true that the law, in the law, that the witnesses of the sin were required to initiate the stoning. But Jesus brings a new twist to this. And he said to those who were around him, if you witness the sin and are yourself without sin of any kind, then you can pick up the first stone. Jesus refused to take upon himself a judgment call on what should happen in this scenario. Those who were accusing the woman and those who were trying to trap Jesus, they had some responsibility as well. Jesus was calling the Pharisees to face their own feelings of hostility towards this person and also to face their own failures in the rest of their life. It was as if the Pharisees were trying to hand over the issue to Jesus, but very skillfully, with amazing wisdom, Jesus offered it back to them. It's easy in our lives to be drawn into situations where other people are trying to force us to take sides. Have you had that? When someone is trying to force you to make a judgment and you know that if you'd say one thing, it's going to be wrong for some people. If you say the other thing, it's going to be wrong for other people. There is no right solution. And sometimes we're drawn into making decisions which are not ours to make. Where perhaps we then become the one who is passing judgment, or we become the victim, where actually it's someone else's situation, not ours. And we need to resist those moments, as Jesus did so wonderfully in the story. We need to know wisdom as to how to handle those tricky moments when we're put on the, stop, on the spot. And in Jesus, I see someone who was incredibly wise and discerning. And if I'm going to be anywhere near that, then I need to listen very closely to Jesus all the time. I need to stay in tune with the way that Jesus thinks and acts. There is wisdom going on in this story. The second word is challenge because there's a big challenge here as well. It was because of the wisdom that Jesus showed and how he was able to hold himself that little bit distant from what was going on 
that he was then able to challenge the religious leaders from a neutral position, but also from a place of integrity. He was indeed the bearer of good news. He was indeed the saviour of the world. But there were at the same time, there were some challenges and commandments of God in the Old Testament that remained significant for all people in all places. And he challenged those in authority to consider their own actions before taking an action against another person. Jesus spoke with authority because he lived with integrity. It's surely something that needs to be heard today in the leadership of our country and the wider world. Whatever political views you might have, I'm sure we've all sensed a huge dismay at some of the stories that have been in, re in the news recently. The parties at Westminster during lockdown and all the other issues that have come to light. Authority needs integrity. And integrity is doing the right thing when no one else is watching. Or indeed, integrity is living knowing that God is watching all the time. Therefore, doing the right thing. It's the integrity of Jesus' own life in this story that gives him the authority to challenge the religious leaders. And we need to hear that again today. We need to accept our own weakness, our failure, our vulnerability before ever we judge what someone else is doing. And so in Jesus, I see someone who could offer challenge from a place of integrity. And if I'm going to be anywhere near that, then I need to look closely at my own life. I need to see what's wrong in me before I react in any way to what I think might be wrong in other people. So there's a word about wisdom that I need to act with wisdom and understanding and not necessarily take on a decision that belongs to someone else. But I also need to respond to challenge and act with integrity. Those are the first two key words in this story. Wisdom and challenge. Then we can come to the word grace, which is undoubtedly here as well. And indeed, the words that really blow me sideways as I read this story is when Jesus looks around, says to the woman, is anyone going to condemn you for this? She says, no, no one. And then he says, Neither do I. Neither do I. Who is saying this? None other than the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Word made flesh, the great I Am. He is saying to a woman who's been dragged before him, accused of adultery, neither do I condemn you. That is incredible. And that is grace. I don't think we can ever fully understand this word grace until we include within it that concept of something that's totally and utterly undeserved. Whatever other definition you might want to use of grace, keep this within it, that it's undeserved. 
This is God acting in a way that we as human beings do not deserve. But we are able to accept because of the way in which he comes to us. And when we fail the most, the reality of God's grace is stronger than ever. We need to declare tirelessly that God is a God who forgives, who acts in love and grace. The great I am says to the one who has clearly done wrong, neither do I condemn you. There is grace. Just going back to London in the 19th century, there were two very significant Baptist preachers at that time. One was called Charles Spurgeon and the other Joseph Parker. Uh, and they both preached in large buildings and crowds of people flocked to hear them, as was uh, the case in those days. And on one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. It was reported back, however, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. And that's what Spurgeon got to hear. And next week as Spurgeon stood in his pulpit with crowds and crowds of people, he blasted Parker for the way in which he had criticized the orphanage. And that attack was printed in the newspapers, became the talk of the town. So the next week, the crowds flocked to Parker's church to see how he might respond to this amazing and uh, very public attack. And so Parker said, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today. And this is the Sunday which they normally use to take an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead. And the crowd was delighted and the ushers had to empty the collection plates three times. A huge amount of money was given in Parker's church for Spurgeon's orphanage. And later that week there was a knock at Parker's study. It was Spurgeon. You know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You've given me not what I deserved, but you gave me what I needed. Jesus gives you not what you deserve, but what you need. He gives me not what I deserve, but what I need. His love, his forgiveness, his grace, his kindness, his power. This is the way in which Jesus works. Wisdom, challenge, grace. But of course, that's not the end of the story. There is a hugely important, vital line. Because the full response of Jesus to this woman was in these words. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go your way. Do not sin again. Mercy and grace are real, but they only become real in our lives when they lead to a transformation. There has to be a change. Receiving grace from God calls for living a life to God and a life that is honoring to God. And the woman was not free to carry on doing as she had done. She was being called to a new and a different way, a greater way, 
a more exciting, more wonderful way. A life of integrity that is pleasing to God. And so I see in Jesus someone who offers me amazing grace, which is totally undeserved, but at the same time expects my life to change. For me to live in a way that is pleasing to him. And that is how grace works. Now there's a huge amount we don't know about this story. We might think we know the story, but we know nothing of the circumstances. We don't know how the Pharisees uh, was in, uh, were in any way aware of the accusation that they were bringing. We don't know about the man that was involved in the story. There's so much that we don't know. And we also don't know the end of the story. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew how this woman was different after her meeting with Jesus? How her life unfolded because the grace of God had touched her. There will be a testimony there to share. We haven't got it, unfortunately. But as we experience God's grace and begin to live differently, then there will be stories to share. And those are stories that it's good for us to hear from one another. I always want to encourage you to share the good things that God is doing. Not from a, a, a point of view of, of personal pride or anything like that, but because it builds up the body of Christ. One thing we do know, of course, is that this found, story has found its way into John's Gospel and stayed there. Some of you may know that uh, this particular story is not in the earliest manuscript of John's Gospel. But there was something that pulled this story into the heart of the Gospel. And it has stayed there ever since. And there's no serious scholarship of those who study the text of the Bible who would suggest that it shouldn't be there. They acknowledged that it was not in the first manuscript. But it came and it belongs as part of this gospel because it reflects the heart of Jesus himself and tells us today that there is always hope. And hope emerges when you see the way that Jesus dealt with this woman doesn't matter who you are or how you're feeling this morning. You and I can know the wisdom of Jesus. We can hear the challenge of Jesus. We can feel and receive the grace of Jesus. We can be transformed by the power of Jesus. And that is why there is always hope. Whatever your circumstance today, there is hope of change. And if you feel that you're caught in a situation that is unresolvable, whatever it might be, don't try and push it on to someone else to sort out. Stay with it. But then allow the wisdom, the challenge, and the grace of Jesus to touch your heart, to bring you to a different place, and to know that he can journey through with you to a place of transformation. Because God is never wanting us to live our lives where we're stuck in a corner, 
where we are less than the fullness that He intends for us. He wants us to thrive and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is always hope, however challenging the situation that you or I might face today. So I'm going to invite the band to come back and to lead us into songs and prayer. We're going to combine the two. We're going to sing two songs, and between them, uh, I'm just going to guide us through a few moments of prayer so that we can allow this to really reach home to us this morning. I don't know what it is that's particularly going on in your mind as you've been listening, but I'm sure there are places where what I have said connects with where you are this morning and where we need to ask the Spirit of God to do His work of grace and transformation.